This podcast of the Model Health Show is presented to you by Sean Stevenson with Rare Gym Productions. For more information, visit the SeanStevensonModel.com. Welcome to the Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson here with my beautiful co-host, <laughs> Jade Harrell. Hey now, Sean. What's up, Jade? How you doing? In Dandini. In Dandini. I don't know if people know. <laughs> You're not just my co-host. You produce this show. You know how to work all these gadgets in here in the studio. Yeah. And you're just awesome. I feel awesome when I'm around you. Jade, don't <laughs> make me blush. No, I'm light-skinned. Make yeah, me right. blush. <laughs> so, Jay, today, you know, um, this this week is actually kicking off Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Yes. And for me, it's a pretty sensitive spot because of the really broad perspective that I have on this and seeing all the results that can come from the the approach that we take. Right. You know, talking about doing things naturally, because obviously you don't want to be an unnatural person. You know, mm-hmm. you want to take the natural route first. Today, we're really going to be diving into this subject matter. And we have a special guest on who's going to blow everybody's mind. Not even just well studied, but his own field work and just understanding how this stuff works and his perspective on things. Mm-hmm. Being a medical anthropologist. A medical anthropologist. Yeah, it's just it's just game changing stuff. So I'm really excited about it. I feel enlightened just by that name. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that it that exists. Uh-huh. <laughs> so before we get into it, we want to give a huge shout out to our show sponsor, Perfect Supplements. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Perfect. Supplements.com, where you can get all of your whole food nutrition, your superfood nutrition needs met. Mm-hmm. And you know what we love in here. We're loving the Revive, the Acai Revive. That's my stuff. Fantastic stuff. I just had today, you know, it has the Acai, it has the Cordyceps, it has the Rhodiola. Uh huh. <laughs> and. Cordyceps, actually. So they have the standalone Cordyceps product, which I've been using recently. I put into my little mate. I call it Superman tea in the morning. <laughs> you know, so I just did that today with the perfect coconut oil. Mm-hmm. So I got those medium chain triglycerides right into my body. And it's antiviral, antifungal, antiparasitic, antimicrobial. Right. It's really a, one of those things that helps to clean house. And my God, don't we need it. Yes. <laughs> Thyroid tonic. So mm-hmm. many great things. And it's Perfect supplements coconut oil, so it's certified organic, no extreme temperatures, no fillers, no binders, no weird processing. You're getting the good stuff. Yes, they do it with integrity. Yes, and I put my cordyceps in there into my little concoction. Cordyceps research stacks. You're always trying to give my stuff. I'm just trying to come up too. (laughs) Like Swiper the Fox. Yes. yes. No swiping. (laughs) Swiper, don't swipe me. That is me. That's, oh man. That silly fox is always trying to swipe our stuff. That's right. That's All me. Right. That's me. My, let me regress from our door of the explorer because people <laughs> might not know about that. So the cordyceps mushroom research, stacks of research showing it improves libido, boosts your stamina, athletic performance. A little fascinating thing, it's shown to give you a 200% boost in your body's NK cells, which are your natural killer cells. NK. Right? Yes. So these are the What immune- do they kill? They're basically immune system weapons that your body can use to create what other pathogen or whatever substance you might be exposed to, be it a cancer cell or Mm -hmm, some kind of a virus. mm -hmm. It helps to basically make your immune system more intelligent. Nice. Right? So it boosts that function over 200%. Okay. So it's another one of those things that you're getting with these type of tried and true 
thousands of years of use, mm-hmm. natural medicine. That's you right. Know? That's right. So I'm loving the perfect cordyceps, the perfect coconut oil, the perfect acai revive. So much great stuff. And by you being a fan of the show, mm-hmm. head over to perfectsupplements.com, enter the code MODEL101, yeah. M-O-D-E-L-101, for 10% off your entire purchase. Mm-hmm. All right? Just to say we love you. And we do. And we love you. We love All right. You. Now, let's get into our show today. Our guest today is Sidney Ross Singer. He's a medical anthropologist, director of the Institute for the Study of Culturogenic Disease, and the co-author of numerous groundbreaking health books, including the revolutionary book, Dressed to Kill, Hmm. The Link Between Breast Cancer and Bras. A pioneer in the field of applied medical anthropology, Sidney researches how our normal daily lifestyles can lead to disease and offer self-study advice to empower people with information to make healthy choices in their lives to prevent and cure disease. So I'd like to welcome to the show, Sid Singer. How are you doing today, Sid? I'm doing great, Sean. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I'm, I, told, I told you before <laughs> and I told my co-host, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. I've just been immersing myself in your work and Wow, just the the cutting edge information that you're delivering is just it's really exciting. Well, thank you. It's it's also very. Uh, I've been told by many people that it's just so logical and common sense, right. and, and yet it it's something that evades medicine. They don't want to talk about it, and it challenges our culture because what we do is we show people how the things we take for granted as as something you do. Uh, can lead to disease. Many diseases which we take for granted are something that's part of life. And uh, when it comes to breast disease, I mean, so many women have cysts and and, uh, fibrous material in their breasts and then they get tumors and uh, and it's such an epidemic that it's considered normal to have lumpy cystic breasts Mm. that are in pain most of the time. I mean, that's a sick culture. And what we do is we try to find out what are these cultural causes Mm -hmm. uh, of disease and, uh, you know, then let people know about it after we do some research on it. And then usually what ends up happening is uh, the industries that we're challenging because they're making products and services that might not be good for people, uh, they tend to resist it. And medicine tends to look the other way with something we need to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just to get some some background on you, because we're dropping even your title here is something that a lot of people are not familiar with. So what mm-hmm. is a medical anthropologist? And I also mentioned in your bio, culturogenic mm-hmm. disease. So what are those mm-hmm. two things? Well, what I do, I have background and training in medicine, biochemistry and anthropology. And uh, and what I actually left the field of medicine because uh, I just didn't like all the cruelty, the animal cruelty and human cruelty that are really part of medicine. I mean, they experiment on animals, they test things on animals, uh, and in medical school, that's everywhere. And, and I, I really love animals. I love people. And, and I felt like any healing profession really uh, shouldn't be involved in, uh, in the cruelty that you, you discover when you really get into medicine. Um, and so what, what I've done is, uh, with my wife, who's my co-researcher, Soma Grissmeyer, uh, we've chartered a new course of trying to find, your medicine looks for uh, how to detect and treat disease. And what we try to find is what's the cause of these diseases? What are we doing to ourselves 
that's making us sick. Mm. And, um, you know, medicine doesn't have much of an interest uh, in understanding the cause of disease if it's cultural. And a good, a good way to understand what medicine does and what I do and the difference is that um, if you think about uh, what happens in war, like when you see a movie like MASH, you know, and you see these, um, these people who go out, uh, the medics who go out and get the guys on the field who are, who are injured and they try to patch them up and get them back out there. And, and the job of these medics is just to, to get, get the wounded soldiers and get them so that they could be treated and then hopefully returned out there to fight. And if you were to ask these medics, how do you prevent all of these, all of these injuries? I mean, let's, let's not just treat this, let's prevent it. Their answer would probably be the only way to prevent these, these injuries is to stop the war. But their job isn't to stop the war. Their job is to get the injured and get them out there again. And that's pretty much the way our medical system is. Uh, in, in the normal daily lives that we live, it's like a war. And uh, there's a lot of things we do that are bad for us. All the stressors, all the pollution, all the, uh, you know, the things that we do to our bodies uh, that aren't good for us, that's just part of life. And it's not the job of the medical establishment to change your life or to change society. Right. It's just to patch people up so they can go out and keep on doing it. Oh, my and goodness. my job is to point out those causes, to, to say the things that, you know, the, sometimes it's the elephant in the room that no one wants to talk about, like the bra. <laughs> and uh, sometimes it's other things, other subtle things that we've researched, sleep position and all sorts of other issues uh, that are on our website, killerculture.com. Uh, we talk about a lot of different uh, lifestyle-caused diseases that are easy for people to just try changing their lifestyle and see how they feel. So a culturogenic disease is a disease caused by the culture. And it isn't just as simple as like diet or exercise, okay? Because there's, when you tell somebody, let's take the situation we're going to talk about today, where you have a link, a very, very significant link between the wearing of constrictive bras every day and the incidence of breast disease and breast cancer. And uh, it's a simple mechanism, which we'll explain. It makes a lot of sense. But once you tell people this information, many of them are, feel like, well, there's nothing I can do about it. I have to wear a bra to work, or I, I can't go out in public without. I mean, people have become so conditioned uh, into a pattern, into living the way we live, into accepting what's normal and, and wanting to belong. And looking different, acting differently from everyone, even if it's in your best interest for your own health, is very difficult for humans to do because we're social organisms. We like to, to do what other people are doing and hang out in groups and being the lone person out there doing your own thing isn't necessarily rewarded, uh, except by health maybe for yourself. Uh, so culturogenic diseases go much deeper than just simply knowing what to do because getting to do it and then the industries that are making these bad things for us, they resist this information, like tobacco and lung cancer. You know, it, it's not as simple as just saying, okay, we'll just stop smoking. It doesn't work that way. There ends up being denial uh, by the people making the cigarettes, by people wanting to smoke. Then the medical industry has a lot of, like, in, when that, it took 30 years, you know, historically. It took 30 years for the medical industry to accept that smoking was causing lung cancer. And that's because a lot of doctors smoked. Um, they were paid by the, the tobacco industry to deny this stuff. And then there was resistance to further research because when there's research out there showing that a product is bad for people, then there's lawsuits. 
So to prevent the lawsuits, they want to, like, limit the research, say it doesn't deserve any consideration. And this happens in a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, it's not just the issue we're going to talk about today, which is the major cause of breast cancer, which is wearing bras. Yeah. Wow. And but it's so culturogenic disease goes into like the whole anatomy and physiology, if you will, of how the culture makes people sick, the various conflicts of interest, the fact that the medical industry profits from disease. So when we get sick from cultural problems, medicine is happy to treat it. They don't necessarily want to stop it or expose it or fight the interests out there that are promoting it. They're just there to treat. So, you know, they have a conflict of interest. Yeah. So you, you put that all together and it's, it's really the leading cause of disease in our time. It's the way we're living yeah. and the difficulty we're having in addressing those issues. Yeah, this is, oh, it's, it's deeply embedded essentially yes. in who we are and how we think as a culture. And what I want to do really quickly is just step back and provide a little bit of context for people, because even the idea of wearing a bra could be uh, contributing to breast cancer might sound just like, where did that come from? If people understand, first and foremost, you can go to the American Cancer Society's website and see clearly, it says it right there, that 5% of all cancers are due to genetic causes. It says it right there, 5 to 10%. Right. Right. And it's, it's, it's right. very easy to see this because people, when they think of cancer, automatically now, because of our mm-hmm. culture, we think genes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now, if you go to uh, the Columbia University School of Public Health and take a look there, and it says very clearly that 95% of all cancers are due to environmental factors. Most. Mm-hmm. Right? Because so these are, these are mm-hmm. the things that are actually contributing to what your genes are doing. And when we, when we hear environment, it's not just oh, the stuff, the environment that we live in, the stuff around us, it's how we interact with our environment, Mm -hmm. the things that we take from the environment and put into our bodies, on our bodies, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, and of course, the stuff that is kind of external that we're around, you know, the EMFs and all this kind of stuff. But just to provide some context for everybody that it's not the genetics Mm -hmm. that we need to be discussing here. We need to be discussing how we're interacting with our environment because that's the most intimate thing that we have as human beings is how we interact with the stuff that that's around us how we live well, how we work how we play um and and right. clearly hear how we dress and you know genetics is usually offered for people because that takes it totally out of your control if it's genetics then you are you know there's nothing you could do about it you got to go to the doctors you're relying on them completely it's mm-hmm. like that it's it's disempowering Mm. And I think, you know, that's another story altogether because the, the push for genetics, genetic screening like Angelina Jolie did, all of those promotions of genetics is another story uh, because it, it's, it's completely misleading. It's fatalistic. It's telling people you're going to be sick because of a gene. And if you tell people something, that's going to happen to them, you know. I mean, there's mm-hmm. placebo effect. And, and you know, it, so you, we're setting people up for disease. And that's only going to benefit the medical industry and those who, who profit, which is the biggest industry in our country. You know, yeah, I mean, it's exactly. uh, multi, multi, so, multi billion dollar industry. Oh, God, that runs it. And they're the ones that are lying about all the other uh, the other ways of getting out of this and helping yourself like mm-hmm. bras and breast cancer. So, uh, so maybe we should get into that. Yeah, that um, brings up this. So this is a very specific question. You know, so how did you actually make the bra cancer connection and where in the world? I mean, the, the research findings for this bra and, and breast cancer study, where, where are you getting all this data from? Well, what happened was um, we didn't even know about this, obviously. We were like most other people. My wife wore a bra, and we were in Fiji 
doing some field research on a different subject. Uh, and what happened was my, my wife was pregnant with our son, um, and she was, we were on this remote island, uh, and the people there didn't wear bras. And my wife was hanging a bra out on the clothesline, and um, a, a teenage girl came over and, and looked at the bra, picked it up, stretched it, and says, what, what is this? You know? And my wife said, oh, it's a bra. You, you know, I said, what's it for? Well, you wear it, put it over your breasts, and it holds them up. And the girl said, well, isn't it tight? You know, it just seemed really uncomfortable and weird to her. And my wife thought about that, and she says, well, you know, I guess it is, uh, but you get used to it. And, you know, it's the first time she had to explain why, what and why a bra is worn and so forth. And uh, about a week later, we discovered a lump in her breast. And so here we are in Fiji doing field work. She's pregnant, a lump. Okay, so we freak out. First thing you wonder is why? Why us? Why would this have happened? What did you, what could we have done that could have caused this? I mean, that's the way we think is, is once, you know, your body is made pretty much to operate properly, unless you're a rare genetic problem. And, but most people aren't. And your body is made to operate properly. And if it isn't, it's usually something we are doing that's getting in the way. So we asked ourselves, what could that be? We didn't really think about it much except the bra issue had just come up. And we flew back to the United States. Um, and after a long flight from Fiji, uh, my wife went in to take a shower and she took off her clothes. And we're looking at her breasts now in a completely different way, like looking for clues. What could have caused this? And as she took her bra off to take a shower, we see these things we've seen before. But it's, uh, we never thought about its significance. There were red marks and indentations in her skin left by the bra. Now, most women see this. I mean, the bras are so tight that after women wear them for years, many women will have deep grooves in their shoulders mm, yeah. um, from the pressure and weight of these bras pushing on them. And these grooves, they're known to cause nerve damage down the arms. So some women will actually get tingling and numbness in their hands. Uh, because of the compression of the nerve by the strap of the bra on the shoulder, okay? So that's a lot of pressure over time. And immediately, you know, it, it occurred to me that obviously if you're going to cut off, that's a sign of constriction. Now, constriction is not good for you because it cuts off your circulation. And the easiest thing to cut off when you're dealing with uh, constriction is the lymphatic system. Now, many people don't even know we have a lymphatic system, it's not talked about very much, and most doctors don't even think about it because you can't do surgery on it, and you can't do a drugs, any drugs specifically targeting it. So the lymphatics is something doctors usually think of lymph nodes that they remove as the way disease spreads. But in actuality, the lymphatics are the circulatory pathway of your immune system. Hmm. In your body, you know, all of our cells are basically surrounded by fluid, and it's the, the fluid is where the exchange of metabolites and nutrients occurs uh, within. It's the medium for this. Your blood is pumped under pressure to deliver through the capillaries. The capillaries ooze this fluid into the tissue spaces, and it delivers your nutrients and oxygen and so forth. The cells release their waste and, and whatever's going on in the tissue, any viruses, bacteria, whatever. All of those in that tissue has to flush out, and a lot of it flushes out through another system called the lymphatic system, which is, consists of tiny microscopic tubes 
that drain the tissue spaces of this fluid and debris and cancer cells and bacteria and whatever, all this toxic stuff drains out through the lymphatics, through these tiny vessels that have valves in them. So as your body moves, because there's no pressure in this system, it's not the heart, okay? It's not run by the heart. As your body moves, it propels this liquid forward, this lymph fluid forward uh, in these tiny capillaries to lymph nodes, which filter this fluid and, and, and are like white blood cell factories that will respond if there's an immune response needed. And ultimately, this fluid is returned to your bloodstream. Well, if you have the slightest compression on your body, the first thing that shuts down are these tiny lymphatic vessels. And the result is you'll get tissue swelling because the fluid can't properly escape. So if you have tight uh, socks around your ankles, your feet will swell. Um, if you have tight anything around your wrists, your hands can swell. If you have tight a tight bra on, it actually causes the breast to swell with fluid. And it's, it's called lymphedema. And it's something that's very slow and progressive because of the bra. So what we have is a, a chronic clothing constriction problem where you're wearing tight clothes like because the bra is designed to change your breast shape. It's, it's designed to hold them up. Now, to do that, you got to apply pressure and you're pushing on the tissue and this is elastic. So as soon as you apply this pressure, you're cutting down on circulation. So over time, the breasts are getting toxic, congested with fluid, and then cysts develop. The cysts are this collection of fluid, and a lot of women have them. And they go to the doctor, and the doctor will stick a needle in and suck out the fluid, and they'll do this like every few months. Because, and they don't know that the reason this is happening is because of the bra. And women who get rid of the bra, we've discovered, thousands and thousands of cases now, uh, you know, because this information has been out for 20 years now. And the first thing we heard from women when they heard this, when we, back in 1995, when Dress to Kill came out, our book on this, on our research, um, first thing to do is get rid of the bra, their cysts go away. And their menstrual pain goes away because they're wearing the same bra all month. And when their period comes, their breasts are bigger because estrogen makes you retain fluid. And your estrogen peaks before your period. So women are wearing the same size bra all month. But when their period comes, their breasts are bigger, so the bra is even tighter, so their cysts and pain gets worse. So women get breast pain before their period, which many women think of as normal. It's because of the bra. They get rid of the bra, that pain is gone. Uh, so all of these magnificent things happen once we found this out. But the first thing we did was a study. And the study, because we were amazed, nobody looked at this, it seemed. We, we didn't find anything. Actually, there was a 1991 study out of Harvard that found bra-free women had less than half the rate of breast cancer as women who wear a bra, which means if we get rid of the bra and there's 220,000 U.S. women getting breast cancer every year, wow. we could save over 110,000 know, women, 120,000 women could be saved just by getting rid of the bra, just by that study, okay? That's what they, but they ignored that, believe it or not, because they weren't looking at the bra per se. That study in Harvard was looking at breast size and, bre and handedness, like whether you're right-handed or left-handed, and how that might influence cancer incidence. So they measured breast size by bra size, which is a bad idea because most women wear the wrong size bra, according to the bra industry. Uh, women are wearing them too tightly, like... 90% of women are wearing the wrong too tight bra. But anyway, this study used it as a size measurement, and they found coincidentally, like, oh, wow, 
bra-free women have like such a smaller rate of breast cancer. But then they thought, well, it, it didn't fit their model. They weren't looking for that. They thought, well, it must be something else. We don't know what it is. And they ignored it. Our research then was happening at the same time as it happens between 91 and 93. We did our bra and breast cancer study. We went to five major cities in the U.S. and we asked, interviewed women. Uh, half of them had breast cancer and about 5,000 women altogether. And we asked them what their past bra wearing habits were because we figured if this is true, then women who have breast cancer should have a different history of bra wearing than women who don't have breast cancer. And we found that's exactly the case. Women who have breast cancer had a history of wearing bras tighter and longer. Very, almost none of them were bra-free. More of them in the non-cancer group were bra-free. Uh, and we, we found basically that a bra-free woman has about the same rate of breast cancer as a man. Men get breast cancer too, but it's rare. Right. And if you look throughout the world, the only cultures where there are bra, a breast cancer is where they wear bras. And when, they, and when a culture is bra-free, they have very little breast cancer. As they become westernized, they be, as, as our culture you know, uh, spreads throughout the world, they begin wearing bras and their cancer rates go up. So we did a follow-up study in Fiji, and we found out that the only women there we can find with breast cancer were women who wore bras, because in Fiji, about half the women are bra-free. So we went to villages, and we looked for cases of breast cancer. And here you have the same genetics, and this, they're all related. They're eating the same diet, so you can't argue those variables. And, but the women who are working like as teachers or nurses or working at the resorts, they had to wear a bra, and they were the ones getting breast cancer. Um, the ones who didn't wear bras didn't. So it was uh, like a pretty black and white thing in Fiji because there you can really see a difference between the bra wearers and non-bra wearers. In our culture, we're like 90 plus percent are wearing bras. Right. It's harder to see that kind of a pattern. Yeah. But w so that's our, st that's, you know, the story of our research which sent us on this huge, I mean, it was, we thought that when we discovered this, it would end, you know, the breast cancer epidemic would end. I mean, this seemed to be so strong. We were amazed it was ignored, but we thought once this information was out, women would get it. They'd be rejoicing that they have a way to prevent this disease, and that would be the end. But actually, it, it was just the beginning right. because we found out that the resistance to this information was absolutely incredible. We've got to talk about that. I just want to point out that for a lot of people and a lot of women, especially hearing this, this is going to be coming out of left field. Like, what in the world? How is my bra even impacting mm -mm, my life like making, this? It's making perfect right. sense. But oh you just made it make complete yes. sense. It's so commonsensical, like you said in the beginning, and just understanding that is a very abnormal thing that we've kind of invented. And, of course, a man invented mm -hmm. the bra, you know, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and understanding that this – this idea, you just said 90, you know, 90 plus percent of women are wearing bras in, in our country. It's something that is culturogenic and it's bred in us from very early age for yeah. women. Yes. The training yes. bra. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. So talk mm -hmm. about what, what's the training bra, like even the name, you know, is kind of training you for this lifetime of problems. Mm. Exactly. Right? It's training you to accept the discomfort of the harness. It's sort of right. like breaking a horse, you know, get him used to a saddle. And, and it really is, I mean, it, it's, what are you training these women for? Actually, if it doesn't train the breast to be in a certain shape, they only have that shape while you're wearing the bra. The other thing is new research has just come out. And by the way, other research has come out completely validating our study. There was one in Venezuela uh, in 2011, where these doctors looked at women coming into the clinic, asked them questions about their bra wearing, 
correlated it to their breast disease, and they completely confirmed our findings. Then there was a study in China in 2008 that found that sleeping in a bra, which these women there are doing now more and more because they're being told it'll prevent SAG, which is not true. Uh, they're sleeping in their bras, wearing them 24-7. Their cancer rates are soaring. So they're saying sleeping in a bra causes breast cancer. Uh, so that's another study supporting us. So there's the Harvard study, a China study, and a Venezuela study, and two of our studies, and remarkably nothing else because the American Cancer Society and Susan G. Coleman and all these other cancer foundations that are funded by the cancer industry is saying that this is a myth, that doctors do not believe this, and it should not be followed up on. They don't even believe that you should. they should spend research money looking at this, okay? They're that closed to this because they know it's true and they know how embarrassing it is and how much of an impact it's going to have on their industry uh, because they make so much money treating, detecting, treating breast cancer. They don't want this answer. Um, but, you know, yeah, you start off with the training bra uh, and what's happening is the new stu another study came out showing that the bra is causing the breast to droop and get weak. Is that the French because study, I think? Yes, that yep, French I saw study, that one. 15-year study. And what's happened is, you know, they measured a woman's breasts, the, 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 the elevation of the breasts and everything. When they got rid of the bra, their breasts lifted and toned, which I've heard from many women already. <laughs> their stretch marks even went away. And they, uh, some women have told me their breasts have gotten bigger and firmer and so much healthier, obviously healthier. And that's just by getting rid of the bra. But this guy found out that the bra is causing the droop, which made sense. I've been saying that for years, and other doctors have too, who are open-minded, intelligent doctors, you can find some of them, uh, the, it's because you have an artificial harness supporting the breast. Normally, your, your breasts have, the breasts have a ligament system, the Cooper's ligaments and other suspensory ligaments in the tissue that support the breast. And with time, these stretch, and with use, like nursing babies, they could stretch, and that's a normal thing of using your breast, a normal part of that. Uh, but these ligaments are, if you, wear, if you put the breasts in a bra and you're constantly holding them artificially, the ligaments don't get any, any exercise right. and they atrophy. They just, from misuse. It's like if you put your arm in a sling for years, your muscles will weaken and you'll have to keep it in a sling. And that's what's happening with the bra. They're, yeah. they're, as soon as a girl's chest starts to develop, she gets this bra on, which by the way, one of the risk factors for breast cancer which medicine says we don't know why, but one of the risk factors is early puberty. They try to say it's because of estrogen, but you know, estrogen is a natural female hormone. We wouldn't suddenly have an epidemic of breast cancer because of a natural female hormone that women have had for millions of years. There's something else that's going on, right? Mm -hmm. So the, it's not the estrogen from early puberty. What it is is the earlier a puberty happens, the quicker the girl gets a bra on mm, because that's wow. the rite of passage. So you take right, a nine-year-old girl with her little body. I mean, if you have kids, you know how little their bodies are and how easily if affected their bodies would be because they're still growing. You know, you remember, remember how the Chinese did foot binding where they take feet that women would have to wear these amazingly, ridiculously tight shoes that actually caused their toes to curl under the feet. Some, the toes would sometimes rot away. And their feet would be deformed, dysfunctional, and that foot binding was, was done to women. It was considered erotic and, and desirable for a thousand years, mm -hmm. okay? So we've been doing things to women for a long, yeah. long time. And um, so when we take <clears throat> these, this breast binding habit that our culture has, and we, we put it on women and they're, they're, they're 
their breasts don't develop properly, and we put it on a young girl who's nine years old, her breasts aren't going to grow properly into a constrictive band. So the sooner we hit them with these things, the the more damage we're doing to their breasts, which makes another interesting point when you really think about it and reflect on it. If you talk to the average doctor and look in the average medical book at breast images, x-rays, whatever, mammograms of breasts, for the last like 100 years about, or 80 years since the bra's been around, all of those images are really of sick breasts. And yet those are considered normal because that's what women have. That's their breasts these days because of the bra. So our entire medical model and concept of the breast is really of a sick breast that's been made that way because of wearing a constrictive brassiere. Yeah. You know, uh, you know. So we have, uh, so that's that shows you how deeply embedded this is. That that, uh, and then medicine will say, well, it's normal to have lumps and cysts and pain in yeah, your breast. That's what we're here for. You know. <laughs> so, Sid, I want to talk a little bit more about the cultural aspect because this is where the the root is and also the cure ultimately. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when we're thinking about right now. Personally, I'm feeling bad for breasts. You know, I'm kind of feeling sad about it. But for us, especially as males and mm-hmm. how we're marketed to in the media and, you know, sex selling and just taking a look at um, women standing there, with, you know, the Victoria's Secrets and the bras and the bra is sexy. Mm-hmm. You know, we really have this idea that the bra is sexy when in reality, that's something that we've been programmed to see as sexy. You know, we yes. because because it's right there embedded in our culture. Whereas the reality, the reality, if we just take a step back and look at this and just think about it, breasts are sexy. You know, we don't need all that other stuff to try to make it appear that the breasts are push up and they're a certain size or shape. A young man doesn't really care. He just wants to see the breasts. You know, and that's the reality. But it's just it's a it's a business. It's a big business. I agree. And, you know, you put anything on a sexy model and you can make it sexy. I mean, it's all association. Right. Exactly. And pe- people are conditioned. People are not. You know, I, I used to think that man was the, a rational animal. You know, that's homo sapiens. We're the rational animals. Actually, we're not that rational. Uh, we sometimes can be. But usually we, we rationalize which means that we take things, uh, information, and instead of really subjecting it to reason, we just sort of make it so that our beliefs are maintained. Our feelings, we, we try to rationalize our feelings and believe what we're told if it supports what we, what we want to believe. And it's not like we're willing to, re- willing to really um, look at a subject objectively and rationally. Humans aren't really that clear-minded, and we follow... We follow the lead. We, many people are sheep. Very few people are, are uh, shepherds. And a lot of wolves out there, too. And as long as people are willing to see these, to, to play the game and want to be part of the game, you know, what's really sad to me is how some, many women agree with me completely. They've taken off their bras and their breasts feel fantastic. They feel so much better. And yet they say, I can't go to work without a bra. So they'll put one back on. I mean, talk about enslavement, that they feel they cannot be accepted in public. They feel like every man is looking at them, uh, you know, and they're going to be, it's almost like they're going to be sexually assaulted, they're afraid, if they don't have a bra. And ironically, the bras sexualize the breast. (laughs) Yeah. 
You know, I mean, what's worse, being bra-free and having your nipples show, which is a natural thing, or having a push-up bra and cleavage that you're, you're forcing the man's eye right to your breast, right. which is more provocative. It's all part of the culture of this, and it's very hard for people to break free. But what makes it harder is the medical establishment's resistance to this. You know, the bra industry has responded in some ways. I mean, at first, they were very defensive. They threatened my publisher, Avery Publishing in New York. They threatened him with a lawsuit if, if uh, he would publish. They never sued. It was like just they were just desperate because uh, they've been suspecting underwires were causing cancer for decades. I mean, they've been really worried about the underwires. And um, we didn't single out underwires more than any other bra type. We didn't specifically break down types. We just looked at the amount of time it was worn, how tightly by leaving red marks or indentations and stuff like that. Um, but the, the industry has been worried about underwires. And they now come up with a whole bunch of new patented bras. And ironically, the patents are based on our research showing that bras are causing cancer by cutting <laughs> off the fat. Making that changes. Yeah, isn't that an amazing irony? And so they're coming up with like their equivalent of a filtered cigarette because that's what happened after yeah. the tobacco issue. They came up with filtered cigarettes. It's like McDonald's yeah. making salads. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I don't necessarily, I don't endorse any bras. And, um, you know, I, I feel, uh, you know, that's not my role here. Yeah. And But I see that the industry is at least trying to respond. Yeah, so that's the thing, yeah. The same thing, you know, Sid, is I don't endorse any food from McDonald's. You know, it's just understanding, right. like, how about the actual solution here is to disconnect from that whole thing in the first place, what was contributing to all this illness completely because, you know, they're trying to make things better, trying to upgrade things. But in reality, it's really still causing a problem. It's still not the place to go to, to find health and, and longevity. And the reason I brought this up was specifically – when a woman is hearing this and they're like, I'm not going to put my daughter through this. Right. You know, my daughter's 10 years old and she's not going to be putting on a training bra and going to school like that. What she's doing now is taking a very, very, um, I'm going to say a big risk because the culture at the mm -hmm. school mm -hmm. is like she's going to be the girl that doesn't wear a bra. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so, so Sid, how do we how do we address situations like that? Homeschool them. <laughs> oh no, get them out of that culture, because the, wow. you, they need to. They need to learn how to stand up for themselves. But it's not going to be easy, and that's why this epidemic is not going to end. You know, not in the near future, because we're going to require a complete change of thinking. Right. Think about the body image issues, the Barbie dolls. I wrote a. I wrote actually another book as a follow up to Dress to Kill. It's called Get It Off. And in Get It Off, I, I did an experimental approach where I actually wrote a musical, a breast cancer musical, which was put to music and performed in New York um, and uh, several times. At, at, uh, it's called The Booby Trap. And what it's about is it's the cultural issues. See, Dress to Kill was the medical issues. And I then explored the cultural issues because I was so blown away by how much resistance there was to this information. And, uh, you know, women would, some women would look at me when I give a talk. At the end of the talk, someone would just hand me their bras. Like they took them off in the audience and would slip their arm behind and they just said, you're right, it's gone. Other women will like, they'll cross their chest with their arms, like defensively, mm -hmm. and say, there's no way I'm getting rid of my bra. And that's what I couldn't understand. Like, wow, 
even the risk of breast cancer, even the, the pain of breast disease, mm-hmm. fibrocystic breast disease, and you still wear a bra, and they're like, yes. And then I started to, you know, you start to really think. Some women use the bra for their advantage. I mean, it's sexuality helps them promote themselves. And unfortunately, you know, if that's the way the culture is, it might be bad. It might not be good for women in the long run, but women get ahead that way. Some women. Mm -hmm. So they wear the bra, they play the game, the sexual game, because they, they have an advantage to it. Other women are so shamed by the whole thing. And it all starts with Barbie. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and then it goes up with breast implants and the need to look a certain way for surgery. To me, for a doctor to do breast surgery for implants just for aesthetic reasons is malpractice, yes. in my opinion. I mean, yeah. subjecting a woman to surgery and, and implants, lifetime surgeries, because once you get them in there, you're going to have to deal with them. It's not like it's over. You're now, you might as well have a zipper put in underneath your breast because they're going to have to replace them. You might have leakage. You might have uh, adherences and infections. And so, you know, we have a medical establishment that is very, very willing to play into all of this breast obsession and body image disorder. What I'm hearing here is that, honestly, it is going to take for people to kind of step up and, and to change the culture, which is going to essentially we're talking about a tipping point here at some point mm-hmm. where we start to actually go back to what's real and normal and eventually it becoming the cultural norm. That's the only possibility here. And I think it's happening, though. I, I've, I've seen more and more uh, websites, Facebook pages dedicated to bra freedom, uh, just how to be bra free. And women say how great they feel and they're sharing it with one another more this year than ever. Yeah. The information is around the world. Our book, Dress to Kill, is coming out in, in the Czech language um, this year. And it's in, in a lot of other languages. And, and in other words, the word is out there. But the problem is the medical establishment, and which is worth you know, in all of its charities, they're saying it should be ignored. They don't want to do any, which, which tells doctors who do research that this is a taboo subject. And if you study this, you're going to get blacklisted. That's what happens. And I've been told that for, by researchers. I mean, I used to be a researcher in the field. So, what, you know, you get a grant from a drug company to, to research breast cancer drugs, and that is in conflict with the prevention of disease. I found that out. That is a conflict. They do not want to prevent a disease that they treat. And any doctor who's interested in this type of thing is afraid he's going to get his grants pulled. He's, he's going to make enemies with the drug companies, which are the biggest funders of everything, um, because it's not, this is not something they want. This is not an answer that the chemical-dominated the chemical uh, medical industry wants. Uh, so they don't even want to research it. That's what's the dampening on this whole thing. Yeah. Because then big media, just, you know, this time of the year, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, you'll see all sorts of uh, articles on myths of breast cancer and things like that. And I look at the source, and what's happening is there's like one or two sources of this, and it's like an infomercial, and then all these media outlets just print it. And one of the worst ones is like at health.com, even uh, all these magazines that you thought were like prevention magazine that was taken over, of course, by the, the drug industry decades ago. All of these are like, have, they have stories about the bra and just saying it's a myth. There's no evidence to support that. And that, that's another thing that's wrong. Even if there was no evidence, which I've told you there's lots of evidence, but even if there was no evidence, you cannot conclude that there's no link. You need to look for evidence one way or the other before you can make a conclusion. But they're quick to say, this is wrong, there is no link, wear your bra as long as you like. It will do nothing to you. And that's the, the American Cancer Society, which also sells bras. 
You know, their whole goal at the American Cancer Society, you look at their mission statement, is to basically make cancer a more comfortable, normal mm. part of life. Yeah. When, when you go for chemo, they'll give you a wig to make you feel more normal. When they take off your breasts, they'll give you prostheses. They sell them. They'll give you bras so you can look more normal. Their idea is to make cancer normal, not to get rid of cancer. When you look at the bra issue, and they're selling bras, you go to the Susan G. Komen, the biggest breast cancer foundation, which is funded tremendously by the cancer industry. They have a webpage saying the bra and breast cancer link is a myth. It should be ignored. And they'll even sometimes admit the Harvard study found a link. But then they'll say, but it was probably something else. And they have absolutely no interest in looking at that. I want people to really just kind of put their disbelief to the side for a moment and just understand that the cancer industry, which it's an industry, it's a business. You know, this is a business in there, in the <laughs> business to make money. That's the whole nature of this particular business. And when you don't have viable consumers or customers, then you start being in a situation where you're not making money anymore. And there are medical students in school right now who are learning chemotherapy, radi radiology, and all these other um, very abnormal mm -hmm. treatments, and they have careers to look forward to. We can't just pull the plug and have people not having this disease, you know. So I see exactly what you're saying, how it's counter to this culture. My co-host, really quickly, she she has a question from this woman of all women perspective. So what were you going to say, yeah. Jay? Well, there's a few, but in our culture as well, and I was going to go at it just from the woman's perspective or uh, among us women we have the saying, well, pain is thy name, beauty and vanity, pain is thy name, and we'll take that. But that pain, and now that I'm hearing as you relate it to the medical profession, there's too much of a pain in our culture in being alone or still or stepping forward and being at the forefront with more things behind you than in front to conceal you. And mm -hmm. I was going to just relate that to us as women that, well, you know, I'm not giving up my bra or this and that because I don't want to be alone in that place. But that's a part of this cultural problem, too. To be still, mm -hmm. to be alone and to break away from that is one of those core things that we're going to have to deal with. And I'll say that not too long ago, I found a lump under my arm. Mm -hmm. We had a podcast about breast cancer as well, the truth about breast cancer. And I went away for a an extended weekend and did not wear a bra. Actually, it was a week. Mm -hmm. And I had several other things that associated with my neck. I was swollen in different places. There was mm -hmm. a lot of toxicity going on yeah. with me. And then I was gone for a week, and I made the decision not to wear a bra for that week. And progressively, I came back a different person. Mm -hmm. But you put it back on? I did. I took it off just now, though. Now, what about the... What well, about the while lump? we were on this podcast, <laughs> it came on back off. And well, I, now, <laughs> Jade, now, what about the lump? Because it's, she called me on this. Mm -hmm. You know, she called me on it, very upset and worried. And mm -hmm. so what, mm -hmm. what happened? Yeah, because then I was like, well, because you, you start to doubt. Fortunately, I was an only child for a long time. Some of that aloneness is not such a big deal for me. But then the trusting part was another issue. And I kept thinking, I need to go see, I need to go see. But I tell you what, I don't feel a thing anymore. And it's yeah. not a, right. And I was thinking, well, if it's so hard, how can we make those meaningful impacts? Yeah, I'm in media. I can tell a lot of people about booby trap. I can tell a lot of people about giving up the bra. But what are some things that will 
really make that difference. I have the 10 year old daughter and she will she will deal and face that. And when you said we need to learn to stand up for ourselves Mm -hmm. and by doing so, we give permission, inadvertently, automatically give permission for others to do the same. It turns that culture on a dime at that moment, and, and I know it can make a difference. I know I really can, and, and I've seen so many changes in the culture um, in the last 30 years in terms of, you know, what people even do to their breasts. I mean, now they'll tattoo them and pierce them, mm-hmm. and I mean, they do a lot of, we've changed, the culture does change. Um, so there is hope that we can get healthier, and, you know, but... It's like with all the advertising and all the media images and every movie you see and every image mm-hmm. constantly beaten home that you got to look this way. Right. It takes strong women, and I think women have it in them. Mm-hmm. But it's it's up to the women and the men in their lives to support them mm-hmm. to get through this and to just say, you know, I don't have to buy into that image. Sure. You know, it was like this for corsets. Corsets. Oh my gosh! Yes. Women. Oh my gosh! Yes. And, and it helped hundreds of years. Oh and it gosh, took health yes. reformers were fighting corsets. Corsets are coming back, you know. Mm-hmm. It's called shapewear. Mm-hmm. And it's all, the, you know, if you're changing, you cannot change the shape of your body without affecting its circulation mm-hmm. because you change shape with pressure and that cuts down on circulation. Mm-hmm. So we got to stop. We got to accept the shape we're in. And if you don't like the shape you're in, then go on a diet or do something else. Mm-hmm. But don't start changing the shape of clothing or you're going to cut off your circulation. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to give some practical advice for a woman. Like, what do you do if you're big-breasted? Do you need a bra? Mm-hmm. Well, when we were in Fiji, big-breasted women there who never wore bras said, when we said to them, do you, do you ever try a bra? They said, I, I couldn't. It's too big. I'm too big for the bra it would be too uncomfortable. So they, they, and then you go to the West and you have a big breasted woman, the same, you know, in a bra wearing culture. And she'll say, Oh, I'm so big. I need a bra. Mm-hmm. So here's a reality two show about bra. There's a reality show with women going around town, slapping bras on people. Hmm. You know, I think some of the questions might be, well, do we need it at all? You know, whether well, we exercise know, do, or do something do like people, that. Do women with okay. big breasts need bras? And or, then what about okay, me, what about exercising let, with let, a bra? Yeah. yeah, let me go into that. First of all, if if you've never worn a bra and you're exercising, you'll be fine. I mean, uh, my wife, who's gotten rid of her bra, can now do rebounding, and she's big-breasted. She could do rebounding and everything bra-free, and it feels great. In the beginning, it felt kind of weird. Mm-hmm. It felt uncomfortable because her breasts weren't used to it after years and years and years of wearing a bra. But they do recover and they do get used to it. And if you're big breasted and you want to exercise and do something that you need some breast support, then you could wear a bra as long as it's not too tight, like a sports type bra, but not too tight for while you're exercising, mm-hmm. just as a man, if he wanted to, might wear a jock strap. Mm-hmm. Um, but most men don't wear those anymore because they're really not needed. And women really don't need it either. But if you want to wear it for a while, you're playing tennis or jogging, whatever, that's fine. Take it off afterwards. Mm-hmm. Breast massage is excellent for relieving the, the pressure and congestion in the breast. So women should do a self-massage if they want, um, or a man could help, whatever. But get massage on your breast. That really does help. And the other thing is, if you're big-breasted and you're not comfortable with particular activities, choose better activities for your body. We shouldn't be doing exercises that don't suit our body type. Mm. If you're a large person and you're wanting to lose weight and get in shape and you're like 250 pounds, you probably don't want to start jogging because you're going to ruin your ankles and your knees and your hips Mm -hmm. and you have falling issues. So you might want to do swimming or some other lower impact cardiovascular type of exercise. 
yoga, stretching. There's lots of things you can do that might be better suited to a body than assuming that everybody has to do all of these, these exercises. Um, you know, so that's my answer to big-breasted women. Choose exercises that are comfortable for your body. Realize that if you need to wear a bra for exercise, do it just for the exercise. But also, you know, the benefit of exercise is it imp- one of the benefits is it improves your, your lymphatic circulation. There you, go. Trem- there you go. Yeah. And if you're wearing a bra while you're exercising, your Guess breasts what? aren't going to benefit from it. Right. They mm-hmm. actually need to move. The breasts mm-hmm. need to move. As you're walking and moving, they pump the lymphatics. It's all part. Yeah. Your body knows how to circulate. The breasts uh, so, need to move yeah. in order to pump to that toxic fluid out of our breasts. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Plus the and the bra makes them hot. One of the one of the things about uh, the thermograms that people are getting, which is a better alternative than a mammogram, because thermograms just look at heat. Mammograms give you X-ray radiation, which causes cancers. So you don't want to necessarily be exposed to X-rays. Uh, but the thermograms are a very good alternative. And when you the, the people who do thermograms are really aware of the bra issue because you can see these hot marks right. from where the bra is constricting and compressing the breast. So. Um, but that, that's another thing, you know, the whole mammogram thing. I got a, a fast story to tell you about, about this. When our book first came out, Dateline NBC wanted to do a story on us, but it was going to be like a ridicule thing uh, because our story actually came out in the National Enquirer. Uh, the publisher gave them advanced publication rights, so they did a two, big two-page spread, which actually was, was good. I was surprised. It was accurate. But because it was in the Enquirer, it makes it sound like it's kind of flaky. And then the Dateline wanted to do a story and sort of make fun of it. And as they were researching the story, they found out we were getting support. Uh, there was a, a, a historian who was saying it's great that we, we resurrected the lymphatic system because back in the 30s, they understood the lymphatics, blocking lymphatics caused cancer. But that was forgotten, you know, uh, when the, dr- the whole drug generation came in. And I was like bringing that issue back about the lymphatics and how important it is to have proper circulation. So um, they st- it started being a positive story, and then the story was killed. And never it, it didn't go any further, and the producer told me why. Dateline is owned by NBC. NBC is owned by General Electric. General Electric makes mammography machines. <laughs> and they have a policy. Dateline could not do a show that would expose one of GE's products or services in a negative way. And they were afraid that if women uh, were understood about bras, they would no longer be like fearfully running for mammograms, which is what Breast Cancer Awareness Month is all about. Mm-hmm. And because mammograms make a lot of money. I even had radio. So the story was killed because it threatened mammograms. It threatened and to I cut off radio- their circulation, so to speak. Right. <laughs> it threatened exactly. to cut off their circulation, and they weren't going to do that. <laughs> yeah. And that happened here, too. I almost had some radiologists here in Hawaii who thought this was a great idea, and we could easily image this and look at it and so forth. But then they, they couldn't do it because they just bought a new mammography machine and his partners were saying, you know, we're afraid we're not going to be able to pay for the machine. They want to have, they need to use these machines. So there's a huge, huge breast cancer detection and treatment industry. Huge. Much bigger. So actually, this culture makes money on cancer. Mm-hmm. And if we stop cancer, we will hurt the economy. Yeah. yeah. So... <laughs> That's the sad, sick part of this. That is sick. And that's something you got to really wrap your mind around to understand that you're on your own. And when it comes to health, 
you know, your body, nature has given your body the tools it needs to stay healthy for as long as you can. And ultimately, you know, medicine's job is to try to affect your body with their chemicals and drugs. And they're not really interested. You know, you got to think of them in the terms that they are. They're the mechanics. They fix things when they're broken. They are not interested in keeping them from breaking. You're interested in keeping your body from breaking. So it really is up to every one of us to be empowered uh, to, to, to take control over our own lives and our own health. And even if that means standing out socially or not. And I think you'll be amazed if you go bra free. And by the way, that's the only way to test what I'm saying. Don't, don't believe me because I said it. Don't believe a doctor because he, he or she says it. Believe your own body mm-hmm. and believe your own experience. You go without a bra like you did yeah. for a week and for you felt week. better. I guarantee you over 95% of the women who've gotten rid of their bras will never go back because, I mean, this is what I've seen, Mm -hmm. because they feel so much better. And not only is it physical, but it's emotional. It's freeing. It's liberating. It makes you feel like your body isn't something you need to be afraid of anymore. And it stops treating your breasts like they're fashion accessories and (laughs) objects. They're actually part of you. And you need to take care of them and nurture you. You know, we need to nurture our bodies. Ironically, we're nurturing the breast, which is the nurturing organ. Sydney, how is your wife? She's great. She recovered from that cyst uh, or, or tumor or we don't know. I didn't get mammograms on it. We didn't want to do any radiation or anything because she was pregnant. That's so right. we were like saving the fetus from that. And we just, she got rid of the bra. She drank fresh water and organic foods and exercised and breast massage. And within about three to four months, whatever it was, was gone. It could have been a cyst. It could have been a growth. We've heard from other women who've written us that their tumors disappeared after getting rid of their bra. See, once you get rid of the bra, your immune system can start fighting whatever is in your breast. Exactly. As long as that bra is on, it's separating your breast from your lymph nodes. You know, most of the drainage goes to your armpit lymph nodes. And you imagine, look at where that strap goes down the breast, around the side of the breast, underneath. All of that is a pressure gradient. It's stopping the body from doing what it normally does. Mm -hmm. Same with girdles and with belts and tight anything. Um, You know, in our book, Dress to Kill, we talk about other tight clothing and how sites of colon cancer, the highest incidence of colon cancer is in the parts of the colon below your belt. Because when you're wearing a belt, it creates a pressure gradient and all the organs below that belt in the pelvis, you know, your bladder, ovaries, testes, anything down there, prostate, all of those organs, and they have to drain their lymphatics against gravity up back to the heart. Any pressure is going to interfere with that. So, you know, you need to not wear tight clothing ever. And elastic is not good. Elastic clothing, you know, elastic holds on by constriction. I mean, you can't take off something elastic and not have red marks or indentations, okay? So to me, elastic is bad. And this also applies to things like ace bandages and other types of heavy-duty, you know, wraps that people put around their their joints or whatever for sprains. If you keep that thing on, it's not going to circulate. You're never going to clean up the tissue. The lymphatics have to flush out the damage. Any damage in your tissues has to go out by your lymphatics because it's too large to get back into the bloodstream, into the capillaries. It has to flush out by the lymphatics. So any tissue damage needs proper lymphatic flow. You do not want to wear anything tight. You do not want to ace bandage things. You want to massage and rest 
and, and keep things moving, keep them flowing. That's why our bodies are soft on the outside. We don't have a shell or anything like that. And that's why we move, you know? Yeah. So Sid, anyway. you know, well, we're going to wrap up the show in a minute here, but and I just got to say, we've got to have you back on. There's so much oh, yeah. here and I see there's so much more that we can get into, but oh, um, yeah. I, I, I want to talk about some of the practical things that we can start to apply right now. You know, mm-hmm, um, maybe mm-hmm. is there like a bra Pepsi challenge or something women can do or <laughs> What are, you know, alternatives to wearing a bra, you know, so with your experience, right. what are, what are some of those things? Well, you can wear a camisole or a t-shirt if you don't want your nipples showing. Um, I don't know why they, why nipples are such an issue, but they are. Uh, it's kind of weird. You can show the whole breast, but with a little pasty at the nipple, it's okay. And it's like very strange. We have a really weird culture. We <laughs> So wear, if you want to wear a camisole or a T-shirt, that's fine, um, you know, to cover. Uh, most people don't notice. So if you're, if you're feeling like, oh, my God, everyone's looking, they're not. And, you know, and, it, and if you're wearing a bra, and they're going to look anyway if it's the kind of person who looks. So the psychological stuff is in your own head most of the time. Uh, so from a practical point of view, just dress comfortably. There are a lot of bra alternatives, and there's also a lot of yoga wear type stuff that's loose, that goes over like a T-shirt. You don't want anything that changes your shape because like push-up bras or anything like that. Even, even pad inserts are pressing on your breast. On your breast. Leave them as natural as you can. Um, and uh, there are support. There's uh, Free the Boobies is a Facebook support group that I've been um, – I'm sort of moderating with somebody else um, that started it. It's, you know, that's a good one to go to their other ones, too. Like, there's more and more groups forming, support groups, uh, for women to just support one another in being free. And if at the workplace you're, being, uh, you're worried about the dress code issue, I would say that if they understood that wearing a bra is uncomfortable, causes, uh, can cause all these diseases, and actually it's going to reduce performance in women who are uncomfortable feeling like when they say the first thing I do when I get home is I throw off my bra. Well, that means they're uncomfortable all day. And I don't think an employer really wants uncomfortable, sick employees. So I would say at work, don't wear a bra. And if your employer thinks that's a problem, which I doubt they will even notice, but if they do, then you can get in contact with me and I'll talk to them. Uh, but they should realize that it's, it's your right not to hurt yourself. And, you know, they don't tell the men to wear jock straps. You know, they, they're not forcing people to wear other garments that are, are hurtful. Uh, so you shouldn't be forced to wear, wear a, a bra. So when no. you're exercising, maybe a sports bra while you're doing it. Take it off right afterwards. Choose exercises that are better for your body. I don't know what else. Yeah. No, uh, I other think advice to you. This is that's fantastic advice in and of itself. And then you even giving yourself, putting yourself out there for people if they need help with that. That's amazing. And I think that the real big takeaway here is to just start being braless more often. Mm-hmm. You know, as much Period. as you can. You know, just keep keep yeah. it off. You know, do it. Do what you can do. If it has an issue, you know, something to do with work, there are ways around that, obviously, but if it, at anything, if you take anything away from this, is start to really love your breasts, take the bra off, spend more time being free, let them mm-hmm. be free, and, mm-hmm. get, you know, get yourself back into balance. And Sid, I just got to thank you so much oh, for coming man. on. And, and one last final quick question is, I always, I always like to ask my guests, what model they're here to set? You know, what example are you here to set in your life and your work? Well, I think my model is uh, to live naturally. 
to respect the nature within you and uh, the source within us all. That's the healing energy that we have. And uh, loving ourselves and loving one another. I think that's what I do in my life. I mean, I live off the grid in Hawaii, growing our own food, raising, you know, homeschooling our kid, and basically um, trying to live with animals, which I think is another important part of health, living with animals. Uh, so I, I think we've really moved very far from nature. And um, most of the people in our culture now are urbanites that are living in high-rise buildings and have no clue where we were 100 years ago living you know, differently. So we've become really, really removed from nature. So I'd say get back in touch with nature because that's the source of our power and, and energy. Great. Fantastic answer. I'm so thankful for you. Everybody, Sid Singer, or Sidney Ross Singer's full name, killerculture.com to get more information, to get connected mm-hmm. to all this amazing work. His, his books are going to be found there. We'll put it into the show notes as well so that you can all get educated, get get connected to Sid and his amazing work. And I've just got to thank you so much again for coming on the show, Sid. Well, Sean, it's been a pleasure. And um, I I hope this information gets out to tons of women. Yes. Absolutely. So everybody. I I make it a point. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Share it, baby. Share it, baby. And (laughs) unstrap them. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. Jade, it was like a rock concert up in here. She took it, threw it across the room. I did. It's off. I'm done. That's all I just need. That's all I needed was some more permission. I'm done. Impact. So thank. Good for you. Mm -hmm. Good for you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So everybody, thank thank you you. so much for tuning in. And if you care, share. All right. Mm -hmm. Take care. We'll talk with you real soon. And make sure for more after the show, you head over to theshawnstevensonmodel.com. That's where you can find the show notes. And if you got any questions or comments, make sure to let me know. And please head over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and let everybody know that our show is awesome and you're loving it. And I read all the comments, so please leave me a comment there. And take care, everybody. promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help transform your life. 